Today we will talk about the ways we interact with operating systems. Also, we will discuss uh, how some principles from functional programming can be applied in operating systems and package managers. After that, uh, I will show you how we can make the configuration for operating system very declarative and we'll do a demo. And maybe we will uh, lightly touch the management of uh, per project development environments. And uh, also I will give uh, a lightweight comparison of Nix and Gix package managers and related operating systems, Nixos and Gix systems. Uh, also uh, the few basic uh, terms that uh, I would like to discuss before we start. Uh, the operating system itself, uh, it's something that based on file uh, system hierarchy standard, like uh, the structure of directories uh, which you see in, the, in many Unixes, uh, Unix systems. Uh, bootloader, kernel, uh, utilities like uh, GNU, binutils, or something like that, which helps you to interact with the kernel, virtual file systems, services, etc. Everything else we consider like an operating system. And home environment is uh, what you basically have in your home folder. It's .files. Also, it packages that uh, actually can be installed without root privileges. Uh, I will explain later how it can be done. And services, uh, which not system-wide services, but your personal services. Your personal uh, cron, tab, uh, some pipe wire, and maybe uh, other stuff that you want to have, maybe uh, BitTorrent client or ser server, and so on. Uh, also, the development environment, uh, it's Basically, there's a concept in Python language called virtual env, uh, which allows you to install the uh, different version of Python interpreter, different from the system one, uh, and packages for Python. But uh, in our case, the development environment will be a more uh, gener generic term, which can include uh, some additional tools like linters or maybe utilities stocks as databases, uh, and maybe some tools for uh, spinning up uh, services that you need, for example, a data, database. Um, and let's see how we usually interact with uh, operating system. Uh, in our case, uh, we will imagine that we have a new uh, laptop and want to migrate to it. So we need to set up our operating system. Uh, basically, we do a lot of commands and uh, between them, we do some editing of configurations or copying uh, or something like that. Let's, uh, let's discuss just a few applications. We need a window manager to show everything that uh, we work with. Also, we need a terminal to type some comments and interact with the kernel and uh, other stuff in our system. We need an editor uh, to actually edit configuration files, to edit the code and so on. Uh, and each step requires not only installation of those programs, but also configuration. So we go to the related folder and edit config files. Uh, and for example, after we, inst we installed a terminal, we need to go back to a window manager configuration and add uh, key, key binding uh, for the terminal in window manager config. Um, after we installed fonts, we need to go to all the configurations of all previous applications we installed and edit them and set uh, a font to the specific value. Uh, this is uh, the example which demonstrates the very imperative approach for uh, working with operating systems. And uh, actually, 
there are few problems with it. For example, we can't change the order of the steps. If uh, I will take those steps and uh, we'll try to perform them uh, before installation of Windows Manager, I will fa fail on the third step, which requires to edit window manager configuration and to uh, to add a, a key binding for the terminal so uh, it's very order dependent also every time we touch any configuration file in our system uh, it doesn't matter if uh, it is a configuration file in home environment or in operating system in etc directory we edit the state and uh, as we already know from uh, some experience from functional programming it's um, not very good when the state is spread all over your software system and we try to minimize and to make the state very very explicit and to be in one place and keep the rest very pure uh, in terms of functional programming and uh, is there other way to do uh, the similar stuff to achieve the same result we can utilize uh, some properties uh, of configuration tooling uh, and to make the same installation to be declarative. But we, uh, before we discuss uh, the actual implementation, uh, I will show you uh, three ways to manage uh, the system. First one uh, is to have some specification in your head or in a text file and try to make your system to conform this specification. And in reality, your target is here. Uh, on the picture, but the actual result will be very diverse from uh, what you really like. And over the time, this uh, difference will only increase. And it's really hard to uh, reason about such system because every time you did some change, it will affect your next step uh, you will per perform, perform later. And uh, in the uh, time scale of few years, it's almost impossible uh, to uh, maintain the system and keep it with your uh, specification that you want to achieve. There is another way to use some automated tooling, which tries uh, to hide this imperative complexity and uh, try to provide you with a declarative interface where you write your specification in some uh, domain-specific language. And uh, the tool itself performs those uh, sequences uh, of actions and try to uh, move your system from the state from the current state to your target uh, specification uh, it's a little better uh, and you get a result uh, closer to your specification but it's still not ideal because uh, depending on the actions uh, which was performed earlier the um, result may uh, different from your target specification and there is the last way when you actually have a specification, a build, a complete operating system or home environment from the specification and install this operating system to your uh, computer or to the remote server or somewhere else. And it looks good, but it sounds very slow because every build of operating system will take a lot of time and the deployment will also take a lot of time and so on. But of course, we won't be using an AF uh, approach for, for implementation. We will use something smarter. And also, if you have uh, any questions during the talk, please uh, um, type them in the chat. Uh, I will be reading them uh, on my second screen. Maybe I will answer them 
just during the presentation, or we'll be uh, answering them later. So we discussed the imperative approach for interacting uh, with operating system, uh, and also discussed how we can do it declaratively. Uh, let's go back to functional programming and discuss uh, some concepts from it and how they can be applied. In functional uh, programming, we need only one thing, uh, the functions, the pure functions in mathematical sense, uh, and everything else uh, sh sh should work fine. Uh, actually, we can even express some values like numbers with church numerals uh, and so on. Uh, but to be more pragmatic, we will have a separate entity, uh, a value which uh, could could be implemented without functions for the performance reasons and so on. Uh, and uh, we have immutable values and pure functions. And now we can express any computations that we want. And now we have uh, a pure functional language and we are happy, but not yet because we cannot see the result of this computation if we have absolutely pure functional language. Uh, for that, we need uh, something to uh, show, to share the result with us. Uh, for example, to print it to our terminal or to make uh, a file on our file system or to access network and so on. So we need some mutable objects uh, where we can uh, save our state. And there's uh, a catch here. The state is quite dangerous because uh, if we uh, use the state all over our software system, uh, it becomes less functional. And that means that uh, this part which affected by state, state will be uh, harder to test because to replicate the um, test environment, we will need to replicate all the state which connected uh, with this function. And also it will be hard to reason uh, about this part of the system because it uh, touches a lot of uh, things uh, and it's really hard to develop and ma maintain uh, such projects. So there is one very important pattern that many uh, developers follow uh, that you try to minimize your state and to make it as explicit as possible. So you place it uh, ideally uh, in one of you uh, very explicit places and everything else you try to make as uh, pure uh, as possible. I hope everyone agrees with, uh, with this idea, uh, but if not, let me know and we will discuss it later. Uh, now let's talk how it relates with operating systems. Uh, as I already mentioned, when you touch any configuration file, you edit it. Uh, doesn't matter in operating system, in etc directory, in your .config directory, uh, in your home folder, you change the state of operating system. And the whole uh, software system that you have on your machine uh, is affected by this change. And every next step that you perform uh, can uh, have a different result from what it uh, was before you changed this configuration file. Uh, the installation of the package. Uh, basically, the package in uh, basic distribution is a, a archive which contains binaries, libraries that you extract to your uh, root folder uh, and all files goes to the slash lib or slash user uh, directories and overrides the files that already exist. And uh, every next step, like updating packages, 
changing the configuration restarting services will be affected by this installation or update of the packages. Also, external repositories. Uh, the system always, not always, uh, often rely on some external repository. And when you uh, do update uh, today, it can be very different uh, from what you will get uh, one week later. So the state, not only on your computer, but also on remote servers. Also, the time when the binary was built uh, and the package was built also affects uh, the uh, end result because it changes, uh, changes hash sums and so on. Also, there is uh, quite a lot of things that can affect uh, the state of your system. But I, I think those examples are enough. Can we do it differently? Uh, actually, yes. And there's uh, a two, at least two, uh, purely functional package managers, Nix and GNU Gix. Um, currently, I work uh, and contribute on GNU Gix package manager, but I also have experience with Nix. And uh, the principles, uh, the ideas behind them are very similar. Uh, instead of having uh, a package to be an archive that you extract in your system and uh, change the state of your system, you uh, have a function, a pure function in terms of functional programming, which accepts uh, as inputs all the dependencies like compiler, libraries, uh, additional packages, tooling, and so on, and produce the result to the uh, directory, which uh, resides somewhere in the separate directory called store. Uh, everything happens in isolated environment. So you don't have uh, access to the network. You don't have access to the time, to uh, external file systems, and so on. So it's almost a pure function, and the result will be the same for the same inputs. But uh, of course, it won't be uh, useful if you couldn't place the result to your uh, file system uh, hierarchy. For that, we have uh, another uh, entity called operating system. And here, it will be very similar to, to the package. It's also a pure function, which accepts two arguments, the configuration and list of packages. And after that, it produces a directory, which contains all the necessary packages, all the necessary configuration for those packages, all necessary configuration for uh, services, bootloader, and so on. And also, it provides a one script called activation script, which allows you uh, to do only mutable thing, is to create a new generation of operating system. So every time you update a config or you update a package or a list of packages, you get a new version of operating system, which appears in your uh, store directory. And after that, you can switch to this new generation. Uh, switch is atomic operation. Uh, like uh, the same as atoms in uh, Clojure. Uh, you just do uh, a symlink to your new operating system and every uh, files from uh, this directory goes to your uh, root file system. And that's it. Uh, now, uh, we also have a home environments which works the same way, but uh, not for the whole operating system, but only for a home directory. Uh, 
you can install packages with it. You can create uh, services. You can create configuration for your user space programs. And uh, having everything to be a pure function. Uh, now you can reason about system much easier. And only state that you have is a var directory, which contains maybe uh, the files for the database uh, or some persistent connection for the network diamond. And you have a state in your home directory. It seems like a good application of uh, principles of functional programming in operating system world. And um, in my opinion, it makes the work that you perform uh, with your operating system much easier. And let's uh, see how uh, we can build a declarative uh, configuration on top of uh, those things that I described earlier. Actually, uh, bef before that, let me show the example of uh, package definition uh, to make it maybe clearer uh, how it looks like. We have some meta information about the package, its, its version name, uh, the source code. It uh, also has a hash. So we sure that we get the same source code every time uh, this package definition evaluated. After that, we have a build system. Uh, basically, it's just a list of steps like uh, dot slash configure, make, make install, or maybe some other steps for different uh, build systems. And arguments which can uh, maybe modify phases of this configuration uh, of, of this build sy system or provide some additional uh, stuff. And list of uh, inputs or dependencies like the packages that will be available or headers um, that we need for compilation of this project. Also later, uh, I will show uh, the build process uh, and we'll show what store uh, directory looks like and why uh, the implementation uh, of these pure functions are quite smart and doesn't require a lot of space uh, and doesn't require a lot of stuff to rebuild the whole operating system uh, between few generations. Okay, uh, let's try to build a declarative approach on top of the ideas we discussed earlier. Uh, we want to replicate the similar setup that we had on the first slide about window manager, terminal, uh, editor, and font. But instead of writing the steps that we need to perform to achieve the results, we will uh, create a manifest which says what we really want. And uh, after that, the tooling uh, will try to make it happen. And here you see the declaration which says that we have a font monospace, uh, EOSIF font, uh, we have Alacrity terminal, we have Sway window manager, and we have Emacs text editor. Very good, but does it work? Uh, actually, you see that I already have a window manager, Emacs, and editor. And also, to be sure, uh, I will show you that I also have a terminal, which is Alacrity. And it's fully functional terminal. Good. In addition to that, uh, I will show that I have uh, a config for this terminal. Some way 
in dot config directory, I have uh, a configuration for the terminal. I demonstrate the example on my home environment, but the same principles applies to the operating system. So uh, it's just for uh, simplicity reasons. Okay, now let's remove our terminal from the configuration and what uh, happens when we want to achieve the same result here. We installed terminal, edited uh, a terminal configuration, uh, added a key binding to VM config, and now we want to remove a terminal somewhere here. So we need to roll back all those changes that happened before. Uh, there was three changes, but uh, you can see uh, that in the real system, it, it will be much more. And actually, um, we need uh, to remember that we added a key binding to window manager configuration. Uh, so we will remove uh, binary itself, package itself, uh, configuration for it, and we need to edit a window manager configuration and uh, to remove a key, key, key by binding for, for the terminal. Uh, and also the uh, point I didn't mention here, that uh, with the growth of application, uh, you get almost ex exponential growth of the command uh, because uh, every new command can be affected by previous actions and you will need to perform an another additional actions. For example, for the font, you need to do three actions if you have uh, three application uh, here. Not always the case, but uh, in some cases it's, it's important. Uh, okay, going back to our configuration. I removed uh, a feature alacrity from my configuration and uh, I had to start the build process not to make you wait, but it will take just uh, a few seconds. Good. Uh, it seems that uh, system re reconfigured. And now let's try again. Our Emacs is here. Let's see if we have a configuration for Alacrity. Whoop, we, do, uh, we, we don't have uh, a configuration for Alacrity anymore. It was removed. Uh, okay, let's try to launch the terminal using the same uh, key binding. And now the different terminal appears. It's a default terminal for the Sway window manager and not the Alacrity one. It's called Hood, uh, and it's available on our system, but Alacrity is not available anymore. So uh, we removed a feature from our manifest, uh, and now the terminal gone, and also all related configuration also gone. If you take a look at uh, configuration of Sway Window Manager, we see that the term variable is equal to Hood right now. But uh, let's return back our feature Alacrity. And also for the demo purpose, uh, we will change the font also. Uh, and now reconfigure my system again. Oops. I see that there's some comments in the chat. Oh, Ariadne, thank you. Uh, thank you for a humble comment. Okay, we reconfigured our system again. And now let's take a look what we uh, get. 
we open Emacs text editor and now it has a different font. Hmm. Okay, uh, it's kind of expected. And uh, let's take its way configuration. Let, let's take a look at its way configuration. And now we see that uh, the file which uh, placed in the, uh, in, in the same path in .config slash way slash config have a different content. And uh, the term variable is equal to alacrity now. And also, uh, if I use the same hotkey, I uh, get uh, alacrity again. And it also has uh, the uh, font changed. Now we see uh, that this uh, declarative approach uh, works quite good. And every time uh, I want to reason about the system, I just look at this uh, manifest and uh, see what I will get. Actually, every time this code uh, get evaluated, I get a new uh, complete home environment, and this uh, complete home environment get installed in my system. But it, uh, of course, done in efficient way. Uh, so every time I do a small change, it doesn't uh, recompile everything from scratch. It's very similar to what we have in Clojure. Uh, we have, uh, for example, vectors or uh, maps that uh, looks like every time we edit them, we create a new value. But in reality, the persistent data structure under the hood prevents unnecessary uh, copy, uh, copies. Uh, because if you have uh, a very big uh, vector and uh, it represented as a tree and you edit only last element, uh, this last element can be created in the memory and only just a few links updated. So you will get two trees representing, uh, re representing two versions of the vector, which shares almost all the elements. So very similar approach is uh, applied here in uh, Nix and uh, Geeks package managers. So you never uh, do unnecessary recompilation. If you build uh, the package, uh, which has uh, some inputs, and you, you build this package again, you will get the same result. So there is no need to build this uh, package twice. Also, there is no need to copy this package uh, somewhere because uh, you can use the, the, the same result in many different uh, version of operating system or home environments. So you just uh, do uh, a link to this package instead of building it. And if uh, in case uh, some changes to package happens, like you updated your compiler or something else, the new version of the package will appear. And you will need to reference to build it and to reference it from your operating system. So let's take a look at uh, how a home environment looks like. Uh, for this, I will visit, let me go to Geek's home directory. And it basically has a few things here. First one is activation script, which actually uh, do all those side effects like uh, copying the results to your home folder and linking and all the stuff. Uh, channels and configuration is basically the configuration which we used uh, to produce this uh, home environment. Files uh, is a directory which contains all the uh, configurations. For example, .config uh, directory, which contains a configuration for Alacrity uh, and uh, Sway and so on. And as, as you can see, um, all those files is not 
an actual file. It's just a steam link to the GNU store. Uh, so all, all heavy uh, lifting is done by uh, build daemon uh, and all the results resides in one directory. Here I only uh, do symbolic links to the uh, files in uh, store directory. Very similar to what we have uh, in our data structures when we implement them using some persistent data structures. Okay, uh, what else uh, do we have here? We have a few more scripts, which uh, may be not very important uh, for us, but also we have a profile folder, which looks very similar um, to what we have in our file system hierarchy standard. We have slash bin, slash etc, slash include, slash lib, uh, and other directories, which contains uh, all necessary files. Uh, but in most cases, those files don't get in our root folder, uh, and even symlinks don't, uh, don't uh, go uh, here, because we always uh, or almost always can uh, configure our environment variables uh, to uh, change, for example, the directory where we look for executables. For example, we have a pass variable, which uh, contains not only slash bin directory, but also uh, slash home, slash uh, username, slash geeks home, slash profile, slash bin directory. So every uh, package installed in this directory will be available in user shell and all other user applications. And as, as you can see here, all applications that uh, are necessary only for my user and not necessary system-wide are installed in my uh, home profile, not system-wide. And this is uh, the way how you can uh, install packages in your operating system without root privileges. You have a separate uh, GNU store folder. You build a package in this GNU store folder. And after that, you just uh, point to the folder with binaries using your pass environment variable. And it won't break any one setups on the same machine. It won't break operating system because every file uh, in GNU store folder uh, doesn't uh, conflict with other packages because uh, every uh, result of package build uh, has a uh, hash prefix and if if you change the uh, compiler version or some dependencies they change uh, the hash changes so you will get a new uh, version of this package and the previous uh, version uh, won't be affected so if two users have the same absolutely the same package uh, in their profile they will use the actually the same folder in uh, gnu store but if they want different packages or different version of the packages, uh, they will be ins installed in parallel and uh, one version will be available for one uh, user and the another for the an another one. Okay, uh, what we got? We got a declarative way uh, to describe our configuration for home environment. The same way we can do for our operating system. And also we got a nice uh, fig wheel like experience. Uh, like we, we, we do updates on the fly. We uh, have all the stateful uh, stuff uh, the same as it was before, but updated all underlying configuration. 
Uh, of course, it doesn't work as well as uh, Figville because not all applications supports uh, this kind of live reloading and so on. But uh, we, we can say it's kind of similar to what we get with uh, this nice interactive experience from Figville. Uh, okay, another thing that uh, we got, every time I do the reconfiguration of the system, I create a new uh, generation of uh, home environment. Actually, um, it is the only side effect which happens during uh, this reconfiguration phase. And we can see the list of generations. Generations. Oh, you, you can see that I have quite 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 a lot of them. Uh, and we can just just go to the to this folder and to see that uh, I have a lot of uh, home environment generations. Uh, and every time uh, I I break something, for example, I installed the package that doesn't work. Uh, I screwed up my configuration uh, file for some application and it stopped work. I can easily roll back to the previous generation. Uh, let me demonstrate it. Uh, Geeks home rollback. And uh, now you can see that the font of, of my uh, status bar changed. And also if I open a new uh, desktop, you will see that the font of editor also changed and Alacrity terminal disappeared. Very nice. In reality, I use the much complex config that the one you see here. Actually, uh, it's my actual configuration, but I narrowed it to one screen. But in reality, it's a, a little a little bigger. It contains uh, all the stuff related to my system, to Emacs configuration, to my, uh, for example, uh, my, my client and uh, utility for synchronizing mailing list uh, and so on. Okay, that's it. Uh, that's it about home environments and operating systems. Uh, I think I have 10 more minutes uh, for the talk. We can uh, lightly touch on uh, development environments. Uh, but before that, let me read the comments that we have in, in the chat. Uh, the Joel asks uh, if the operating system uh, I'm showing uh, is a Geeks. Yes, it's a Geeks system. And um, the, uh, the tool that I use to manage the Geeks system called RDE, my own project for uh, managing Geeks system and Geeks home, uh, just a nice wrapper with uh, good uh, defaults, I would say. Uh, the, the, the nice question from Ivan Karakis, uh, uh, what happens if you edit a config directly? Uh, you can't edit a configuration directly because uh, if I will try, oops. If I will try to open a Sway configuration, for example, 
and we'll try to type something, you will see that buffer is read-only, but it's not only uh, the buffer, but also the actual file system. GNU store is uh, read-only for uh, everyone except the build diamond. Uh, diamond. So, so you can't uh, edit the configuration. What you can actually do, you can remove a symlink and place your actual file instead instead of symlink. But next time you will um, call the activation script, it will clean up all the stuff and will remove all uh, stale config files and will put them in backup directory. And in instead of the file, it will put a symlink to the GNU store again. Another, another good question from Ivan. Uh, he asks if I break a gigs itself, uh, is there a way to roll back or reset it? Uh, yes, um, but to clarify, uh, we have a gigs like uh, an actual binary which we use uh, to execute commands and we have a gigs like gigs system uh, and both uh, answers is yes. Um, you have not only your uh, Per, per, personal binary. Let me show it. Uh, boom, boom, boom. In your uh, home. Oh, let me open the shell and show the path and which gigs. Uh, okay, let, let me open a real sh shell. Which gigs? Every 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 uh, user has its own version of, of Geeks, uh, so it can um, manipulate this version. For example, using Geeks pool, he will get the latest uh, version of Geeks, or and uh, also he can use Geeks pool minus uh, minus minus rollback to get a previous version of uh, the Geeks utility, and also he can use a system-wide Geeks, which uh, we know that uh, works. And uh, when we're talking about operating system, in Grab Bootloader, you will see all the generation of operating system systems you created. So if you break your operating system, you can reboot and pick the appropriate working version from your uh, Grab Bootloader and boot from the work working version. No Vim configuration. Uh, yeah, I don't use Vim anymore for almost five years, I, I, I think. Uh, and Joel asks, what would you recommend for someone interested uh, learning more, but uh, is not familiar with the ideas and the concepts of Geeks yet? Uh, you can read the manual, it explains a lot. Also, you can uh, find other resources like articles or videos in the internet. Also, I do streams uh, from time to time on gigs, but maybe uh, I didn't explain very basics or maybe explained. Uh, you can watch the recordings of my streams if you want. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you everyone for the questions. Uh, let's go back to the presentation and talk a little more about managing development environments. In Python, we have a virtual uh, env, uh, which allows to create a folder which contains a specific version of Python 
interpreter and all uh, packages uh, necessary for the project. Uh, let's imagine that we can do the same, but for any language uh, and for multiple languages. And also it not uh, only restricted with Python packages, but it can uh, also contain, for example, utility to uh, connect to your database or do some other stuff like uh, spell checking or linters or something else that you need for your project. Um, and it's possible with uh, package managers like Geeks and Nix. We already discussed that we have environment variables uh, that we can set to create an environment which contains only binaries we're interested in. Uh, let me reconfigure uh, my system again and uh, br bring back uh, as it was before. Or not. Uh, actually, I can uh, just launch a terminal here. What we can do, we can use uh, a utility called Geeks Shell. It's a subcomment of Geeks, which allows uh, to create an environment where some packages is available. Uh, for example, uh, here in .config slash sway, I don't have make uh, utility. But uh, if you take a look uh, at the compilation command uh, in my project, I have make minus key uh, k, k command here, and when I execute it, it uh, actually executes a make and, and, and do some actions. How it happens? Uh, when I enter the project folder, a new environment spawned uh, inside it. So some environment variables uh, got set to some values. Uh, and let me demonstrate the example. Uh, I, I don't have htop utility, but if I type geeks shell htop, now, uh, when I type htop, it actually executes it. Uh, and to make it clear how it happens, I will add uh, a flag which shows uh, which environment variables will be set when I execute geeks shell command. And for example, if I uh, add man pages package or not man pages. Uh, Info reader or ah, MendDB probably. Yep. MendDB package. It will also set a man pass. Uh, so uh, inside our shell, let me spawn the shell again. Uh, when you see this blue additional arrow, that means that I'm uh, in the nested shell. Uh, and now if I type manage top, it shows the documentation for htop. Uh, but if I, I, I spawn uh, a basic shell with only htop, it will uh, say that uh, there is no manual entry for htop. Uh, so not only the binaries become available, but also documentation and all other stuff that we can uh, set up with our environment variables. And the same works for the project, but with uh, a little more uh, automated way. I have a special configuration file uh, inside project directory, which says what packages I need to be present uh, in my project. And when I enter the directory in the shell or in Emacs, uh, I got those uh, 
environment variables set to the proper values, but not only those environment variables set to the proper values, but also the environment itself, like uh, packages uh, got built uh, and uh, placed in GNU store. And only after that, those environment variables uh, got their values. And now I can uh, issue the commands that is not available in my system, but available in my project uh, directory. It is the very uh, brief overview how we can manage uh, our uh, project environment. But uh, important thing here uh, that I didn't mention yet, uh, we have a pure function, uh, which depends only on its inputs. That means that we can get a very reproducible result. For that, we need uh, only version of the channel. Uh, channel is basically a collection of the packages and version of the channel is just a git commit, uh, which corresponds to some version of this channel. So if we have a version of the channel uh, and the list of packages that we need, we always can reproduce the development environment and every develop developer who access this project and who have this file uh, can get the same, absolutely the same binaries on his machine. Uh, so it, it won't be different version of uh, Postgres uh, SQL utility or different version of the libraries on different machines. Uh, and also uh, later we can move this uh, development environment to our production. For example, we just remove um, linters and some uh, development time uh, uh, stuff and uh, the rest we'll put on production server and it works absolutely the same as it works on our uh, development machine. There is some questions that I already discussed in my stream, uh, but if uh, you will be interested in it, I can uh, answer them later. Uh, the two last features that I will highlight. Uh, first of all, we can create not only environment, temporary environment for working on the project, but we also can build a container from uh, the from this declaration, for example, Docker container or uh, tar archive, which are locatable and you can use on different machine uh, and so on. And the very neat property of this container, it's reproducible uh, because for example, Docker containers built with Docker file are not reproducible because every time you run uh, a Docker uh, build comment, uh, the result of the evaluation will depend on uh, the content of Docker file and not only the content of Docker file, but also on external services. For example, if your Docker file has apt update comment, uh, if you run it today and uh, run it uh, one week later, it will get the different list of the packages which will be installed in your Docker container. But with uh, such kind of shell, with uh, frozen uh, dependencies, you can uh, reproduce the exact uh, the same container if you if you really want. So uh, even building a Docker container is better with uh, such tooling. Um, and after that, you can easily deploy uh, what you have. For example, your operating system uh, configuration, you have it on your local machine. You can also build it and have it in your store. But uh, later, uh, you can use a Geeks deploy utility and uh, copy all the content of this uh, directory to remote uh, store and instantiate it using activation script on remote uh, host. It, it, it happens, of course, automatically uh, under the hood in uh, invocation of Geeks deploy. Um, yep, uh, I think that's it about managing uh, 
development environments. I have uh, one slide about NICs and GIGs, similarities and differences, but let's discuss it later if someone interested. Uh, and the conclusion. We can basically build operating systems and home environments in a reproducible way. Uh, we, we can apply patterns from functional programming uh, to make the management of such operating system and home environment very handy and actually manageable. Uh, we got rollback and switch generations, uh, which works great and saves uh, us from uh, losing our mind when we break our system. And uh, we can build containers properly. We also can manage uh, per project development environments with such package managers. And uh, we can deploy to remote machines uh, what we built uh, locally. Uh, and it's very reproducible. So thank you, everyone, for your attention. This is my contacts. You can find me on the network by this nickname and can drop me a line if you want. And now let's discuss something.